0: This episode of the Lunch Break Podcast is brought to you by the sales developers. They believe that outbound sales requires a consistent commitment to the process and they understand the tedious and time-consuming task of sourcing, hiring, and onboarding new sales talent. Besides providing premium quality contact data, outbound prospecting services and expert consulting to consistently fill your sales buckets, they have built the ultimate sales enablement tool, Uplevel. It lets you up level your skills by managing all of your playbooks and scripts in one place. Still writing your favorite opening lines on sticky notes? Are your training and guides in a 100 different folders? Do you wish you had a way to develop a playbook to actually enable your team? With Uplevel, you can easily do it all. Whether you're a rep or a leader, your job just got a whole lot easier. Start for free today and you can go to thesalesdevelopers.com backslash Uplevel. You are now tuned into the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. This is episode 31 of the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. My name is James Bodden, and on today's episode, we have Christopher Fago, Technical Sales Manager over at Palo Alto Networks. Chris is somebody who is very active in the sales community on LinkedIn. He's really got so much frontline experience that he shares with us in this episode and really excited for you to hear it. But if you can't tune in for the entire episode right now, I am going to serve up a snack break sales tip from Christopher Fago about a way to get ahead in your role and you can put it into action right now. Take a listen.
1: I believe that all the, all the knowledge and tips you need are out there, whether it's YouTube, podcasts, LinkedIn video. I don't care where you get your content. It's all out there. But I'll tell you, the tip that I, I want to give you and your listeners for, for their lunch break is do the job that nobody wants to do. That's because it. Because that goes back to the pie. If, if you do a job that's really hard, and it does it, it, it's hard to fill, and you do it successfully, I don't really even care how long you are successful at it. Basically, you know, do the job anyone wants to do. Just keep chopping wood, and eventually when they hand out a new axe, like, they're going to know who to give the new axe to because they're going to say, who didn't give us any problems about the axe we gave them and still found a way to get their firewood?
0: Such an actionable tip from Christopher Fago. So look, if you got to get back to your desk, I completely understand. Listen to the rest of this awesome episode when you can because me and Christopher talk about everything from his time at a startup that eventually got acquired and the roller coaster of a ride that that is. We talk about the importance of communication with your leadership, being your own best champion, and much, much more. So Here it is, episode 31 of the Lunch Break Podcast with Christopher Fago. Here we go. All right, folks, I have Christopher Fago, technical sales manager over at Palo Alto Networks with me, and I'm super excited to have Christopher here because uh, he and I have been connected on LinkedIn for a long time, and I've always loved his content. I've enjoyed watching him Gain notoriety, well-deserved notoriety over the time that I've been connected uh, to him, and and um, things like being named one of the InsideSales.com top ten sales development leaders of 2018, being able to you know speak at the events like AAISP Dallas, and, and speak about something like like mental health and and the role that it plays in sales, and so for all of those reasons, super happy to have you here. Thanks so much for coming on, man.
1: Yeah, super excited, James. Uh, you know, I've been been listening to the lunch uh the lunch podcast you can do it for a couple of years i know this is like season two yeah it's pretty cool to be able to start something you know that is kind of uniquely yours um and and you know have people like it right i think you know there's there's some great writers out there and that's the advice that they always give which is do it for you and the people will come if mm-hmm. you so try to do it people, it, it's not going to work
0: yeah, no, and and you're completely right, man, and that's why <clears throat> I was telling you before we hit record. It's it's I love it because it's exactly what I want to do. It's I talk to the people that I want to talk with about the things that we want to talk about and it's always valuable. Um yeah. at, at least for you and I <laughs> at the very least. Um so let let's dive right into it, man. Uh tell us how you got started in sales cuz you've had a really interesting career so so tell us how you even got into the profession in the first place
1: yeah you know it's funny is uh so I've been asked this question before I think it's a great question and ultimately I've been really doing some soul searching on my my answer um, because I've answered it differently in the past than I'd like to talk about today so like to kind of set the table there you know in the past I was very honest and, and forthcoming with the fact that You know, I I had sought forth a career in the music industry. I did um, uh, various things within the music industry, like whether it was live production, studio production, or or even radio. But unfortunately, like money is a really hard thing to come by in music, Um, almost with like any of the arts, right? Like whether it's music, movie, uh, fashion, writing, like whatever it is, it's impossible to make money. And I have a lot of great friends who have have made it, right? Yeah. Yeah it was like 10 years of not making it. And, and ultimately like being on my own, I didn't have that time to not make money. So I actually kind of fell into sales. I was like, sorry about that way. I fell into sales because I had a need to have an income, right? Like we all have, unfortunately, like we all have to make money. That's just how the life <laughs> how work
0: works out. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and what's fascinating is ultimately like that's now that i'm you know i'm i'm in my 30s like i hear a lot of people kind of critique that answer uh, not my answer but i hear people critique other people who say almost the same thing like if you're in money for sales like you know you're doing it wrong or like i don't want to hire you and, and there's some great people that i look up to who say that and and it's, it it really caused me to think about it so so to answer your question i got into sales because i needed a job and I like talking to people and I like solving problems. Um, so that's kind of where I, I, that's kind of where my answers evolved to today because yeah. yes, money is obvious. Like of course we all want money. We have, it's not a want it's actually just a need. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't say that I'm financially, you know, driven to the point that like, I'm only in it for the money. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's an, I, I love, that you have taken a step back, having answered this question several times to to have that moment of of self-reflection because I'm the same way, right? I mean, I was almost the exact same thing. I was, at uh, the time that I got started in sales, I was having to kind of let go of this idea of doing music and, and surviving that way. And yeah. you realize, oh crap, I gotta pay bills and, and, the realities of life start to hit you, especially if you don't have a safety net or anything like that to fall back on. but it is interesting to me because sales is just has such low barrier to entry that as you're out there looking for a way to make money, it's not that sale like you chose sales just for the money it's that it was. Probably easier to get into than some of these other places that that yeah. are going to pay so, about the same you know
1: yeah what I would say what, what I'd like elaborate on that is, is I agree with you 100 percent that's the problem and the solution right it's like mm-hmm. it's like one of those uh, tricky situations because you know ultimately we're seeing it evolve now like sales as a as a school of thought or mm-hmm. like you know I was at UT Dallas you know they have a really great sales of class essentially yeah or set i don't know if it's a degree but essentially they're teaching people sales and that's happening more and more across the united states across the world you know when i was in high school that that didn't exist like there was no mention of sales at all um and so it has a low barrier to entry because there hasn't really been formalized education
0: there's no way to measure it Well, one certification that you can get that says blanket, I'm a great salesperson, like you can with a certain type of degree.
1: Yeah, and then it's you know you're right, right? There's no industry standard from a a higher ed standpoint, Um, and I think that's changing. But I mean, ultimately, I mean, almost everyone you and I are going to know don't have an accreditation. Um, You know, I have I have a I have a bachelor and I also have that Guinness World Record, so that's all I got, right? Like, I don't, you know what I mean, like, I don't have, I have two pieces of paper here, right? Yeah, yeah. So those are the three things I bring to the table. If you don't like my, my music degree, well, you know, I'm not gonna go get a sales degree now that they exist. Uh, yeah. You know, it's not for me to go back to school. I feel like a better way to learn is just by, by doing, especially in sales, uh, you know, the, the, the trials and tribulations.
0: Yeah, well, that's an interesting point that I had never really thought about because we're about the same age. And when I was in my mid-20s, I was well into my retail sales career and kind of had already made the decision that I wanted to continue to stay in this thing and get better. But I did at one point say, because I graduated from a, like a full sale where you get like a diploma for sound engineering and things like that, but I didn't have a degree. I didn't have a bachelor's degree. So I was like, okay, maybe I need to go back to school. And this is really, this is 2013, 2014, really before there were even like sales programs at colleges that I knew about. Yeah, I I definitely felt like maybe I should go back to school. And and then kind of again, when the sales program started to become prevalent, I was like, hmm. Would it be worth it? And it's just, at this point, I feel like the people that I want to work with aren't going to care about that.
1: You, you know, I think that's huge because, look, um, well, one, like, do you go back to school or do you just go, do you do, like, a, a sales training with, you know, you know any, any number of, you know, there's so many great people out there yep, yep. who have training platforms. Like, do you pay out of pocket? I mean, again, it's not, if you do that, you're not getting a piece of you might get a piece of paper or like some LinkedIn like little icon, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's not, if, you know, if I go through the the John Barrows training and I put that on my resume, like if they don't know who John Barrows is, it doesn't matter.
0: How much weight does that hold?
1: Right. But what I will say is it goes back to the entire argument of having an art, an artistic degree, or we can just, Look, we can just lay it out there. If you have a degree and you work in a field, you, you don't work, if you do not work in the field your degree is in, which Google it, it's probably almost all millennials at this point, um, <laughs> unless you're a doctor or lawyer. You know, ultimately, all it shows is that you did something very hard for four years and you didn't quit. And even if you did quit and you went and got a job and you're successful, like, great. Like, I'm not here to say, like, you have to have that piece of paper. No, but that was way I was kind of taught or like the thought process I had is, you know, if I was going, if, if you and I w- were going into an interview, uh, stepbrother style, right. <laughs> in tuxedos and they were like, Oh, well it, you know, it says here, you know, you, you don't, your degree is in music, you know, that you're not qualified. I'd be just, just like, oh, okay, but what, you know, what degree do you want me to have like marketing or business or communication? Like
0: what would that look know? like? You know, excuse me, miss lady.
1: Whatever you prefer, right? <laughs> whatever, whatever the the issue is. Yeah. For me, it shows hey, and it, and it goes back to if you kind of look at people's uh, resumes mm. and you you basically redact everything and you just have like nothing but times and time like months and dates. All it tells me is, did you do it, and like how long did you do it? So even if you don't like your job, but you want to make it look like you got to a year because you don't want to look like a quitter. That's that's how I view people who have degrees in fields they don't work in. It's like at this moment in time, in my entire life, I thought I was making the best decision for me and I stuck it out. And yep. you know what? The only way you can find out if it's not right is by doing it. So like you do it and you're either good at it and you succeed or you're good at it and you don't succeed or you're bad at it and you don't succeed but either way like you you have to do it and so like that's the way I view that kind of situation and, mm. and you know think about what's out in front of us today yeah there's so many trainers and certifications and boot camps and all that great stuff but at the same time if you don't want to do that you know do it for you it goes back to what we were talking about do it for you exactly do it for you and Don't do it for anybody else. If you want to improve, like invest in yourself. If you want to go back to school, go back to school. If you want to join a startup and just completely get your teeth kicked in and learn that way, like that's what I did. And I recommend it if you have the pain tolerance.
0: Yeah, no, yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that because that – what a great segue into what I want to talk about with you is is being – taking that path. So talk to us about being – the third sales hire at redlock a company that eventually you know went on to get acquired and and what that experience was like in the process of of getting your teeth kicked in and how and what that did for your career right
1: so what what i'll say is it, you know it gives you so much um perspective because you know you don't know you know there's an office quote and it's you know I wish I knew I was in the good old days, right? That's what Andy Bernard got out to the Nardog. <laughs> yeah,
0: and Nard dog for life.
1: In the moment of all of like the roller coaster, I want to get off this wild ride because like I'm I've been on the roller coaster for 18 months and like I'm just barfing my brains out. And sometimes I'm at, you know sometimes your hands are up and sometimes you're throwing up, right? That's a startup. You don't understand like what you're going through until it's over. Um, so, you know, I joined in May of 2017 and, you know, 18 months later we got acquired. Now that's that exact story that you hear about startups, which is like one in a million, right? That not only did we get acquired, but we got acquired in such a short amount of time that I I actually would never expect to be a part of anything like that. Again, because it's such a short period. It's 18 months, right? Yeah. And it really comes full circle when you realize that for the first six months, I was just getting like my teeth kicked in, right? To the point where, you know, at, at the end of that six months, and, you know, this goes back to what I was saying from a, a visual perspective of a year. I had, you know, I kind of had like a heart to heart where I was like, okay, this has not been a fun six months. Like, I'm not having success. I'm not seeing the results that I'm putting the work in, right? I'm putting in the work, but I, I'm not bearing the fruit. Mm-hmm. And, you know what's crazy It's like, I had someone I had someone on my team at that time, uh, Patrick Hendricks, and and he always he always uses me against me, right? So he's always like, hey, you always say like you got to give it a year. Like he always reminds me that I tell him that, stuff, mm. which is really nice. It's nice to have someone. Who oh yeah. That you tell them. Yeah. And so he was like, he had just started, by the way, and he, he was like, no, you, you you when you were interviewing me, and telling me like what I should expect. You told me to just give, just do it, do it for a year. And like, we'll reevaluate whether it's your role, your money, your happiness, like just try to get to a year. Cause like there's so many cycles, especially in a startup. It's almost like one year isn't four quarters. It's like, it's like an insane amount of, it's like four years, one year is four years in startup life. So
0: yeah, you
1: know, I, I stuck it. I stuck to my own mantra which is really hard to do sometimes cuz like you got to battle your internal self. Yeah. And next 6 months actually the next 12 months it was just like we couldn't we couldn't stop winning. <laughs> you know, like everything went right and it's because of the prior 6 months. Like that that happened, which is why it's so important to have that perspective of if you don't see the results today that doesn't mean you should stop or that you're doing anything wrong, right? You just got to keep you got to keep chopping wood.
0: Yeah. I wish that I could take that audio clip and just send it to sales leaders across the country because that is who wouldn't want to have their startup get acquired in 18 months, first of all. Right. And then and then who would think that six months of that was failure, essentially. And and, yeah. you know, and and be willing to have the patience to, I mean, that's one thing that I've seen more and more. It's the idea that, yeah, we understand sales and we understand what it takes, but if six months go by and things aren't going well, then all of our salespeople are on performance improvement plans. The 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 ship is sinking, and yeah. we need to rethink our strategy. And who the hell did we hire here? You know, well,
1: yeah. And and you know what's even crazier is it. It wasn't um, we weren't failing, but it it goes back to uh, reality versus expectation. You know, mm-hmm. dreams versus expectation, and understanding. the The worst part about it was James was the West Coast was on fire right and the east coast was in a drought and i know it's a terrible analogy because droughts cause fire so yeah. you know at the end of the day we'll do we'll flip it so the, the west coast you know it was just they were making it rain yeah there yeah go. there so it the is the east coast there it is you're in a drought and so that was even more frustrating because it was like okay why is the west coast seeing success and the east coast isn't and is it the people is it the process is is it a combination and, and that's where you have to understand, and this is for every sales leader who will listen, and if they don't listen, we'll just send it to all of them. At the end of the day, like nobody on your team wants to fail, right? Like, and, and it's a mutual thing, right? Like when you, take, when you take a new job, right? You just took a new job. Yeah. This is something, this is a hurdle that like, I, had, I have to get over, and I've had to coach people on how to get over, which is your company would never hire you with the intention of not setting you up to succeed. Mm-hmm. And that is such a hard thing to like wrap your brain around because, you know, there is this thing that there's the millennial curse, which is like, we think everyone's out to get us. Yeah. Because we inherit so much stuff that we cannot control um, from the prior generations. And so, you know, we feel like, you know, Oh my God, like, okay, I took the job and like I was really excited about it during the interview, but like, you know, like, what if, what is, is this some bait switch? Like, am I being set? Like, what if I don't get the, the help I need? And so when you couple that with like your counterparts on a different territory being more successful, it's terrifying because like you said, do we, do we clean house? We go, well, the West coast is killing it and the East coast isn't. So like, it's obviously people, right? Cause it's not, it's not the product. The product's doing great on, on one territory. And that's something that I think sales leaders Have to kind of wrap their head around from a a patience and perspective standpoint you gotta obviously you don't want people to take advantage of you and like 12 months later have like no pipeline but you got to give people the benefit of the doubt right nobody likes to lose so if i'm having a hard time for six months i will probably leave you before you have the ability to let go of me right because i'm not having fun and work already is you know hard Right. I don't, I shouldn't make it harder by not being successful. So to really like sum that all up, it's just remember at the end of the day, like the person you hired or the people on your team are doing what they think is going to be best for the business and best for their territory. And sometimes like those things don't always add up to your expectations, but like very rarely are you going to hire someone because what does that say about you who just is awful and has like no drive and like, it's just comfortable losing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that you brought that up because it is hard for a lot of folks to kind of genuinely feel like the company, you know, I'm, I'm here to do this thing and they've actually truly got my back. Right. Um, It's almost like I've, my family's been out of town the past couple of days, so I've been watching a lot of Sopranos. Yeah. And uh, Syl said something in one of the episodes recently: "You're only as good as your last envelope." And right. it's like that's kind of how you always feel. Like, well, yeah, they have my back because I'm the new guy. But what if I struggle, and then yeah. they're not going to have my back, and then I'm going to be looking yeah. for another job, and then you know, and then you go down this path in your mind, and and what I've seen is that once you've maybe gone, actually gone through a situation like that, where that was the case, you're then applying that to every situation that you get yourself into going forward. And what, what I've done in, in some instances is I I've gotten to that six month mark and been like, mm, I don't like this. This isn't what I thought it was going to be. So that means that I can give less than hundred percent. I'm going to go ahead and take my foot off the gas because I'm probably going to be looking for another job here in a couple of months. They're not really, I'm not telling them what I need, but they're not proactively giving me what I need anyway. So then it's almost like you can then let yourself off the hook and then things get worse and worse from there. And it's such an important thing to realize that it goes both ways. The company wants you to succeed and the company needs to realize that the people that you're hiring want to succeed as well. Once once that's clear through verbally communicating it very plainly and clearly, uh, the actions that take place on the team and within the organization align to that, processes are built that are aligned to that. I mean, once it's proof is in the pudding kind of thing, and then you're like, oh, okay, cool. All right, I can get here and I can run my thing and, and try some things and and know that as long as I'm coming every here every day and giving 110 percent, I'm good because the uh, flywheel's going to start spinning faster eventually. We've just got to you know get past that point where you're jumping up and pulling it down every time. So yeah. I think that's such a great learning, man.
1: Love it. I think that's what's challenging is and that's when you got to break it down from like a human – just break it down to like human level, right? Yep. Like communication is number one thing we probably don't do enough of in all of our relationships. And then we don't do it because we're scared, right? So like if you are afraid to tell your boss – the truth or like literally anything, right? I don't even care what you want to tell your boss. Like if you have something that you want to tell your boss, but you're afraid to tell them, you have to do it, right? You have to overcome that internal objection because at the end of the day, like you can't get help if you don't seek it, right? Mm-hmm. People aren't mind readers, you know, sure there's intuition, but like, you know, your VP of sales, your, your, your manager has too much going on to try and like figure out, where you're at you know other than what the context. Context clues yeah like whatever the dash so like you know and that's where it's challenging i think one thing you you kind of hit on that i really love is with every new job you get you you have you have that you have that buffer where you're like okay i can probably like make it like I mean, depending on your sales cycle it, it'll vary. But like, you know, you'd be like, I probably make it like six months without closing a deal. Right. If I have a 12 month sell cycle, I could probably go half a year without closing a deal. And then it's up to your mental fortitude to not fall into the the slow, like the slowness or like, uh, like low yourself to sleep. But it's also, it's also on you to, to keep an eye on like everything around you. So that you can say, you know, Hey boss, I don't know if, I'm doing all that I can do. Like, I think I'm doing the right stuff, but like, I'm not seeing the results. Some of my teammates are seeing, and like, I want to get ahead of that before you come knocking on my door, trying to, you know, give me like, uh, you know, an ultimatum, right? Like put up or get out. And and so it it all boils down to just being honest and being open and, and making sure that you have that channel of communication where like, look, okay. So like, what's the worst thing that can happen? And then just work backwards. So like, if I'm if I'm in a rut or like, I don't feel like I'm competing at the same level as my peers. And I tell my boss that like, what's the worst thing to happen? Is he going to fire me? Okay. Probably not like for being candor, like for being having radical candor, like he's not going to fire me. But, but what if he does like, oh well, like then you probably shouldn't be there. Like if you're afraid to share your feelings or your feelings aren't respected, like then this is a good thing for you to find out as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of like to put that out there because i feel like nobody nobody's going to tell people the
0: truth. Yeah. No, i mean that's that's so key because the moment that you can unload all of all of that weight that you carry when you're internalizing things. I mean there were points early in my sales career where i remember acting like almost a toddler trying to get because i didn't feel comfortable expressing my opinions and my concerns and what was wrong and I wanted my manager to somehow figure out that they needed to come over and say like what's up how can we help what's going on with you and so literally coming in and like pouting all day and just uh, like
1: so that is how I would explain like that six month that six month period where it was like I have a you know I have a list of all the things that perceive as wrong or i think we should work on or think we should change or think we should try differently yeah it could be it could be wrong again it's all it's all my perception but i i mean you know inherently we're all naturally intimidated by anyone with a c in their title <laughs> to to avoid that conversation right kind of i don't know where everybody else gets it but like i was kind of given that keep your head down and work hard attitude but Unfortunately in today's society, I feel like that's a great eighties thing because now like you're if you're not if you keep your head down, your management will forget about you.
0: Yeah. Right? And then oh yeah. That that's a whole nother topic is is making so, sure that you're
1: you're right. It, yeah, I, I right, that's a whole nother a whole nother <laughs> rant. But yeah. but essentially, you know, I that's where that boiling point hit at the six month mark and I was like just bubbling and the problem was i'd never told anybody i was remote being re- the remote culture does not help any of this by the way if yep. you're like if if you are a remote worker like you gotta go see you gotta you're they gotta come to you or you gotta go to them at least you gotta orderly. flip like, that switch i don't even care how much it costs like you've got to do it like I, at one point being in a startup i was told like it's not cost prohibitive but like You know what's not cost prohibitive? Like people quitting because they feel like they're on a lonely island, okay? You don't want that. Yeah. Um, And 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 so, like, ultimately, like, yeah, you build up this list of of things you want to address. Grievances. Right. But if you have that list, have another column of, like, what you would do differently. That way, when you have that conversation, management isn't like, oh, there's a complainer. Yeah. They look at it. And, 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 you know, instead of perceiving that you're upset, they perceive that you're passionate.
0: And a problem solver. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love it, man. And it, to touch on kind of that whole other rant, one thing that I've seen happen, especially in startup environments, when there's not great reporting all the way out throughout the organization is that I've literally seen scenarios where somebody puts their head down and, and like goes in the conference room for weeks at a time to just bang out cold calls and figure things out and really doing like awesome work, but they're not showing themselves in the rest of the office. They're not socializing, they're not, and they're not organized when they come to meetings with the results of what they've been doing. It's a nightmare for them because they're not getting recognized for their hard work they're getting forgotten by management. They're almost perceived as, as not a top performer, when in reality, they are. And my advice has always been, you need to be your own like hype man for everything that you're doing. So every valuable thing that's not on a dashboard, that's not being tracked, that your C-level, your manager, director level can look at, you need to be the one saying, hey, uh, did you see that thing I put in the playbook? Because this this is what I've been working on, so check it
1: out, you know? Like highlighting that spotlight on yourself, dude. And I'll I'll kinda just, uh, I wanna pause here and just take a moment and just say, listen, you know, if you're a BDR, SDR, I don't really care what letter goes before the DR because I can't keep up with it anymore. Um, I saw X the other day, and I thought it was like extreme.
0: <laughs> <laughs> extreme development <laughs> rep. Boom.
1: Uh, boom. Right? So I don't care like what – I don't really – but it goes to your point. I don't care what your, what your role is. But if you're, if you're a, a, a development rep of any kind, which means you're particularly lower on the totem pole, Cause that's just how hierarchy works. Don't be afraid when that, when that deal closes, like if you don't get a shout out, like you have to do what you said. You have to say, Oh, by the way, here's the email, right? Here's the email. It's, it's freaking time stamped. You see this date? Like this is when it all started yep. because it's something that I don't think, again, I don't really think anything is intentional uh, when it comes to like that kind of stuff, but it, no. it gets lost. Right. Well, you're moving so I mean, fast. Yeah, and 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 so it's 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 super huge. When it comes to what you said before about kind of like locking yourself up, that is is such an interesting thing because when you're remote or or whatever, like people, it's funny. Like I don't like I don't like walls. Like I don't like that. Um, the larger the company gets, the more the more walls that go up, and it, it, I, I, it's probably the one thing I, I don't like about a large company is yeah. the when you need people, they will come to you, or sorry, when you need people, you got to jump through all these flaming hoops, but when they need you, like, you better answer your phone, or like, you're, you know, the detonator's going off, yeah, you know, are, you know, very Sopranos, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) very Sopranos. We'll get your attention, don't worry, you're gonna dodge my call, I got you, boom, Um, so, you know, ultimately, you can't create your own walls, right, you can't, and, and I, I was guilty of that. I see people who are guilty of that all the time in, in startups. Or that's even true. just in right? If you have a hands-off manager, like, that's a blessing and a curse. Don't, but don't, like, put yourself in a box. Mm-hmm. And then, because what happens, right? What happens is what we talked about. You turn into a jack-in-the-box. And, like, when you come out, like, you scare everyone because they're like, oh, my God, where has he been? And he just scared, he spooked me. And he's got all these problems. And, like, right? Like, you have to always, like, you got to be your own hype man. You got to get ahead of your own problems and your, your ideas and, and you got to really just like own it. And, and I will say, I know like, we, you know, we're working, on, we're working on some time here, you and I, but I want to put out there, there's a great acronym that um, I want to share. It's called PI. It's, okay. easiest, it's the easiest career management acronym you can ever hear. It's uh, PI. So it's uh, performance, right? First thing you should ever care about is your performance right? Like if you're not performing, you probably should shut up. I mean, (laughs) for real. (laughs) So the first thing you need to care about is your performance. Like are my numbers good enough for me to be a thought leader within my company? Right. Second thing, second ingredient in the pie is, uh, is image. How are you perceived? Not vertically, but laterally. Right. So here's the thing, everyone, and I can tell you this for a fact, right? When we got acquired, we all like got flown, you know, we all went out to meet the new comp- the new the, the new parent company, right? We're the adopted children. We go to meet the new parents, right? The number of people that just go straight to the highest person on the org chart and just are like, hey, nice to meet you. I'm so excited to be here. Like, obviously you're excited to be here. You got you were told, do you want to keep your job or not? And you said yes. So like if you're not excited to be here, why did you say yes? Like it's you're just making small talk with someone who at the current moment is not necessarily interested in your small talk, right? Like, there's a lot of things that are going on moving parts-wise. And, like, we need to see some ROI because we spent a ton of money on on you guys. So, like, I really – like, that's nice and, like, it's cool that you have kids and, like, you're showing me your kids. That's great. But, like, can we move on? Like, everybody can't – like, I can't have a line of people at the happy hour just shaking hands with the highest person that you want to chart, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a lear- So, so it's, so we're going to go through the first two letters again and we'll finish it out. Right. It's uh, performance image. And you want to make sure your image is good with your peers, not vertical lateral. You want your colleagues uh, and teammates on other departments to perceive you as a hard worker, a problem solver, you know, a, a good employee, with good ideas, all that fun stuff. Yeah. And then the last part of the pie, the most, uh, the, the last part of the pie is the part of the pie that everybody wants it's the exposure if you take care of the, the the performance and the image you will get the exposure you seek and i think that is something that i didn't understand for a long time and it, it's always something to go back to like if you're like man i really want a different job i really want a promotion i really want to raise like i i deserve this i deserve that you know what maybe but like check your pie
0: yeah no i love that dude that is i've never heard that before and it encapsulates what i've same as you kind of figured out through trial and error over way too long of a time period <laughs> uh yeah it's
1: goes, it goes to your point right like if you start a new job what do you have you have no you have no pie, right you don't have the performance you you might have the image of well, not really. You, you, you don't really, really interview with your peers, right? You interview with Very your true. boss. Very true. So it's that protocol networking, whereas I'm telling people to do horizontal networking. Mm-hmm. So when you start a new job, you have no pie. You just have a kitchen, and you're just trying to get the ingredients right. But eventually, like let's say you're doing a job, and, and you do it for six months, and you're like, this isn't for me. Like I took the job because I wanted to work for this company. I like the people. I like the product. But the role that I'm in, it's not what I wanted. It's not what I expected. Yep. Well, if you have, if you've hit your number for the last six months, you know, I would say 80 to a hundred plus, right. If you're a B to a plus player and you haven't like really made anyone else on the, on the surrounding uh, teams dislike you by being like a jellyfish, then then you should have no problem getting the exposure you need from leadership to pitch your case.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then you put that formula together and you can feel confident about what you're about to do. It's a constant way to, it's like a, almost like a constant North star. Oh yeah. I'm feeling a certain type of way. What do I need to do here? What's my pie looking like?
1: Yeah. Cause essentially in a lot of people I talk to about this, they, they go, well, my numbers are great. I'm like, well, what's your, what's your perceived image uh, internally? And what's funny is a lot of people don't think that, you know, especially in sales, it's a, it's a, it's really an individual con- contributor thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for for sales, so a lot of people don't think it matters if their teammates like them. But let me tell you this: the, le- the like leadership people, okay, like they're gonna ask, they're gonna ask your peers, hey, you know, we're think about, you know, we're think about, you know, promoting James or like giving him this new territory or whatever. Yeah, whatever like, it, you know, it is. Talk like at happy hour or at golf or whatever, because they already have their pie like once you have your pie you 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 have it until you, you really like mess up like once you have kind of hit your mark it, it you know it, it, you got to be careful right because it is you know it, you can run out of pie unfortunately it's the world we live in Pies <laughs> are, uh endless but yeah you know, if you can maintain those three keys you can move up down lateral like you can You could say you know hey like my wife just had a kid like i kind of want to take a step back and do something different it allows you to have that freedom of saying what you really feel because too many people who don't have their pie will just quit because they don't have the power to you know make make life changes that they need to without leaving
0: no i love it man yeah that's that's incredibly valuable and it really could I mean, it applies at all stages of your career, whether you're brand new or you've been doing this for a long time. It's something that needs constant attention. So I love that. And I almost feel silly asking you this now because this entire episode has been one huge freaking sales tip for for salespeople out there. Like, really? But uh, yeah, I'm going to do it anyway, Christopher. Go for it. What is close? A, yeah, yeah. What is a sales tip that folks can go right back to their desk and use immediately after they get done listening to this episode.
1: You know, I, I thought about this. You sent over that email, I thought about it, and I'm of the thought that everything good has already been created. Mm. Right? Point in case I was down in Tallahassee two weeks ago. Um, I was with some guys at lunch, they were they were avid hunters and they were talking about how they want to get an air conditioning unit for their blind. Okay. Yeah. The portable air conditioning unit that's very quiet can cool the blind to whatever degrees. And, and I was, I, you know, very stupidly because these are decision makers. I was like, you know, it'd be great as like an air conditioned t-shirt, right? That's what you want to say to like the executives are trying to sell a you know, a, a million dollar deal to, you know, it'd be great. An air-conditioned T-shirt. I would love to have a T-shirt that cools me, right? Okay, so you want to know what the tip is, right? Because obviously that was just that was not the tip. That was a joke, but that was to say everything. In my eyes, everything has pretty much already been invented, right? Every idea I've ever had, I Google it, and there it is. Boom, the T-shirt thing—it's real. Uh, I think it's made. It's being tested in Japan right now, so definitely Google it. I can't wait for it to come to the states.
0: I, love I it. definitely.
1: We live in the south. We need an air conditioner. Yeah,
0: this humidity in right. the summer. I'm wearing ACTs all day.
1: Right. So I believe that all the all the knowledge and tips you need are out there, whether it's YouTube, podcasts, LinkedIn video, I don't care where you get your content, it's all out there. But I'll tell you, the tip that I I want to give you and your listeners for for their lunch break is do the job that nobody wants to do. That's because it. That goes back to the pie. If if you do a job that's really hard and it doesn't, it, it, it's hard to fill and you do it successfully, I don't really even care how long you are successful at it. Basically, you know, do the job anyone wants to do. Just keep chopping wood. And eventually when they hand out a new ax, like they're going to know who to give the new ax to because they're going to say, who didn't give us any, problems about the acts we gave them and still found a way to get their firewood
0: yeah and do it better than in in a more innovative way than anybody else i love that man and and it, yeah. and it it's so simple and amazing uh way to kind of cap off this one long piece of actionable advice for salespeople man i i, I didn't really expect anything different to be honest with you it's just don't a conscious
1: stream of, 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 you know, sometimes when you talk, right, we'll go back to the office, we'll close on the office, and then we'll talk about lunch, right? Yeah. Just like Michael Scott said, sometimes when you start a sentence, like, you don't know where you're going, right? Ultimately, like, that's who I am. If you ever really get to know me, like, it is just a stream of ideas, and sometimes they're good, and sometimes they're bad, and like, when they're really good, like, they're really good. And when they're really bad, like, just laugh about it you know, don't take yourself so seriously. Uh I know your last question, so I'm gonna ask myself uh it. for you. Yep. So the question is, you know, like where do I go to lunch or like what do I do for lunch? And it's probably the most non traditional answer you're gonna get. Okay. Um I basically for a year didn't do lunch at all. Uh I worked through lunch. Um now they say like a working lunch is not great for your, your mental psyche, which is probably accurate. Uh, looking back but I'll tell you this when you really think about food food is a social thing right food is 100 social and 100 waiting in line waiting on other people right we call them waiters for a reason because we're waiting mm-hmm. right yeah but here's the thing if you want to if you want to life hack your calendar and get an extra hour keep working like you don't need you probably don't need three meals I promise like no one think about our the ancestors right like our cavemen cave women like they had they only ate when they got food they didn't they didn't wake up and have a bowl of breakfast or have go to subway for lunch right yeah. so for about uh, for during during the during the redlock years I pretty much avoided lunch because I didn't have enough time to get anything done
0: hmm
1: right the to-do list of a startup is endless um, yeah, so no. I, would act- I would either I would either have a working lunch where I kept working and I would have like uh, something to eat I usually pack lunch or I would just not eat and I would either do something like this or I would talk to other people who I didn't work with just to make sure that I kept myself aware of like are my problems the same as everyone else's problems and yeah. like are my ideas you know what ideas am I doing that I, I can get rid of or vice versa right so that's, that's a good I spent, yeah I either spent my lunch working on work working on me or really that's it like you so want that extra
0: hour? you're the first person that's ever answered that question and the answer is nowhere get back to work and i love,
1: and I love to eat uh you know i'm, 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 a, I'm a southern guy but work yeah. you, gotta, you, you need you need to make the most of your time and
0: well, yeah and look i'm we can go a little bit here i think it's just a really great frame of mind because everybody wants to be in a situation like you were, where you work at a place that gets acquired in 18 months and have that story and that stamp on your resume. But are you willing to miss out on your daily hour and a half long lunch break with, you know, your five buddies that you go and hang out with every single day and could easily do the same thing after work hours with? Are you willing to get that
1: up? (laughs) <laughs> and that's the thing, right? I like, think about this. Like if I you know, I'm at home today, but if I was at my office, at my office we have we have a Mo's, we have a Chick-fil-A, we have food trucks, we have a lot of good options, right? Problem is, I work in a giant building and I'm gonna stand in line for at least half an hour, right? At least. Okay. So how do I get around waiting in line? I gotta go earlier. Okay. So you see what we're doing here? We are you like food is a social it's just a social thing, right? And that is a problem because it's just time spent hanging out or waiting in line. And like, there's a time and a place for that. But if, if you want to you know, cry to me about how you don't have enough time to get through your to-do list or your calls, we'll come, we'll come back to that. Right. If, we'll just, we'll leave it at that. If you're, if you want to go on an hour long lunch, get your hundred calls done before lunch. Yep. Get your five bucks. That's, what it, is. that's what it is. for my fellow sales beard, Sean.
0: I love it. I love it. So I'm going to wrap up this episode of the lunch break podcast with Christopher Fago guys. You, I really hope that you go back to this and listen to this with a notepad to write down everything that we covered today. Cause this was absolutely fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on, man.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. See you, see you next time. All right. And